Well, good afternoon to all our listeners and uh, our usual uh, people that tune into this show. This is Q&A with Samuel Chisichetti. And uh, today we are going to continue on, Samuel, with um, some of the issues that are surrounding what is happening during our election. So welcome. Very, very excited about our program today. Yes, uh, thank you, Alida. It's always, uh, you know, a, a, an excitement to get together and you're all, always a stirrer, so you get to stir me up and ask some questions <laughs> that, that we can delve into. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think, I hope that our listeners do actually appreciate and enjoy, uh, you know, our discussions and, and the insights we, we get to provide through these discussions. Well, we sort of we sort of need to be um, able to be frank with uh, with what we believe and uh, and how we we see the world through um, through our Christian worldview. And as a as yeah. a believer, we uh, we live that worldview every day. So the mm -hmm. the topic today, Samuel, as uh, you may be aware, we are in election mode, um, mm -hmm. and uh, from the US, we've uh, we've been. Um, uh, watching the news get a little bit frothy over uh, a leaked document from the uh, the highest court in the US, which is looking at overturning the Roe v. Wade decision yes. of 50 years ago of allowing in the yes. Constitution people to have an abortion. And yeah. um, and uh, interestingly, our uh, our federal government has sent out a letter to uh, to people, or or actually to um, one of the politicians who asked the question about abortion, and there was an yeah. interesting letter sent back to that particular person, which has done the circulation of emails and and other posts around the place. So maybe we should yeah. uh, have a little bit of a look at that, and then go into what we really see uh, as what God is saying about yeah. life and um, yeah. and the unborn and. Yeah. The preciousness of of life that is is really created by God. Yeah, um, very interesting there, Alida, where, where you start from. Uh, there's a huge uproar in, in the US right now. Uh, the there's been a leaked uh, sort of you know written opinion of the uh, justices of the Supreme Court in America. Uh, they were looking at the question of you know Roe v. Wade and. Um, the, for those who don't know, that, that was the decision that legalized uh, abortion across uh, all uh, states in the U.S. Very, very big, major uh, decision, 1973. Uh, and so the five conservative uh, uh, justices had written an opinion uh, after the deliberation. Now, it has been finalized and voted on and, and so on and so forth, but the opinion was to sort of show where they sit on the question. And so the court is made of nine justices, and if five of them, which is the majority, uh, comes to the decision that Robbie Wade uh, can, the reasoning, the rationale upon which Robbie Wade was decided, then no longer stands. And so uh, it will therefore lead to Robbie Wade being overturned. Now, something unprecedented happened where, you know, someone, uh, it is. It's there. Are, the, 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 the most analysis, uh, most analysts uh, think that it may be either one one of the justices, uh, mm. which would be unthinkable. Like, I think just by by their oath of office and by their ethics code of conduct, they can't do that. Uh, one of the justices could have leaked it. They leaked it to a newspaper uh, called Political, and or it could be one of the clerk of the justices. The clerk. Uh, the justices are these lawyers, if you will, who in the office of the ju uh, justices help them, you know, write, you know, clear up, clean up, uh, you know, correct, edit, uh, whatever the justices have written. And so it's basically an administrative uh, position that is really attached to the justices' office. Mm. And they think it may be one of the clerk of one of the justices, and the assumption could be one of the liberal justices, nobody knows. Uh, who has then leaked that document to a newspaper uh, to create an uproar and to try to probably put probably uh, put pressure on one of the five conservative justices uh, to back off uh, yes. the, the, the decision. So that's basically politicizing the court. Mm. Uh, that's that's you know making it sort of to affect the functioning of the court. So why would that thing be? Because it's on a topic that is as dividing, uh, that is as emotional and as very sensitive uh, to many people, uh, that people think it's a very complicated issue. 
and it's the debate of abortion, uh, termination of pregnancies. And so that's what, what Roe v. Wade was about. And incidentally, as you were saying, um, you know, one, one of our you know, politicians in, the, in, in um, Australia had written um, not long ago, it was you know, March 2021, just a year ago, uh, a politician had written to the office of the prime minister and uh, about this particular question. And so um, because we during the election year, I mean, this has been public. Um, most people know what, what this letter is about. I just want to, you know, um, name names here uh, on, the, on the program, but I'm going to at least read the content of the letter. Just a little bit, some sections. We'll start with, you know, thank you for your letter of the uh, 16th of February uh, regarding your proposal introduction of a human right, children born alive, protection private member bill. Um, because on, I recognize the depth of your concern, I encourage you to continue engaging with the Minister for Health and HK uh, as the Minister responsible. Access to pregnancy termination services in Australia is the responsibility of states and territories and subjects to their respective legislation. This access is an important element of the reproductive and sexual health services the Commonwealth government supports for Australian women. And we continue to work with states and territories on the availability and of safe and legal abortion Australia-wide. So the federal government provide this, mm. you know, working on um, the provision of safe and legal abortion. I will talk about what's safe and what's legal, from which angle we'll look at that in a moment. Yeah. So we're committed to protecting and promoting the sexual and reproductive health and rights of women and girls. That is another terminology for abortion. Okay? Yeah. It's just a sanitized way of saying it. Uh, I'm proud, right, the Office of the Prime Minister, in, order, in this case, this, the Prime Minister is an institution. You know, he's a person when he's running for office, but once he's elected, he becomes the institution, basically the head of our government. So this is the Office of our, the Head of our Government saying, I'm proud that Australia is globally recognized in this space, space of the provision of legal and safe abortions, which is called reproductive rights. Okay, uh, it's a core part of our foreign policy and aid program, and we advocate on these issues in the international flora. So Australia not only provide and advocate in the international and is proud to occupy that space. Mm -hmm. Now that in itself, just reading that from the office of the prime minister uh, for, you know, believers, Christians, uh, it's anyone who comes to grip with the issue that is at the core, which I'm going to basically take head on. I would like everybody to just reason with me for a bit. Those words are shocking to read. They sound good, they sound sanitized and righteous until you start to really nut out what is abortion all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. So, and so this basically falls exactly in a really good period of time where, you know, we have these issues going on and we need, as believers, as believers, we need to be able to engage with this space. We need to. Yeah. Because this, this is a serious matter. It is a serious matter. And... You know, on top of that, if the person who is actually occupying the office raises their hands inside our churches and, and, and confesses Christ as Lord and Savior, which means the uh, authority of Scripture must matter to them, but God says must matter to them. Uh, but, you know, last time we, we had a program where, you know, we, 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 we discussed the fact that some people go into them saying, oh, my, my faith is my private belief and and I, I don't, I don't exhibit that publicly, which is nonsense. We we said we, we made that clear, because if you have some private belief you're committed to, that you think is not good grade enough to be able to leave it out in public, then you've just admitted that your private belief is inferior. Just quit it, stop believing it. Just don't don't be bipolar or something. I mean, I'm not trying to be <laughs> mean to be. Yeah. Don't have. Don't be a hypocrite. Mm, exactly. Occupy one space. Either you're secular or you are a Christian. Right. And if you're a Christian, you think your Christian belief is 
indefensible in the public place, quit believing it. If you hold it and you think it's not worthy of living out publicly, you think you can't defend it properly, but then stop it. It's infuriating. Stop it. So stop basically just playing around around people who, who actually believe in this as a core of their lives, um, you know, to, to pretend as though it matters to you. It doesn't. Well, and so, the thing the thing with that too is that as a um, as an individual who's voting, and as an indiv yeah. individual who who wants to to make their vote count, you look at candidates yeah. that hold the same worldview as you, or or yeah. say that they do, and so yeah. you put your trust in them that they're going to take that worldview into that in governmental space, yeah. in, into that space. Yes. And then when they yep. turn around and say, no, I leave that at the door and I and yeah. I go into this uh, this place of government and, and I operate in that space from a secular standpoint, well, then yeah. why did they put themselves out as a believer? Um, yeah. To, yeah. Did they do that just to entice the vote of the believers, yeah. the conservative ah, vote of Christians? Um, really. And then they just turn around and really that they've basically yeah. deceived you into voting for them yeah. when they're not going yeah. to be pushing what you believe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Especially, you know, we had this issue of, you know, nearly we, we nearly had, had lost all of the Christian schools in, in Australia, you know, on this, the, coll the collusion between, you know, the uh, you know, transgender rights or, you know, um, same-sex attracted people, right, uh, to be able to, you know, you know promote their, their uh, beliefs within the space that is occupied by Christian beliefs and Christian schools. And we nearly, and, and this is very serious, on all fronts, Christians are losing the ground. And, and, and as, as you were saying there, I want to actually make this point. People say, oh, look, you know, you don't go out legislating your morality. Hey, look, every single person who entered the political process has got the intention of legislating their morality. Yes, that's exactly they right. They have a certain moral standpoint. Yeah. They vote for the person who shares that moral standpoint. So that moral standpoint will be turned into policy, policy and into law. Yes. That is why they're lobbying for it. Yeah. So Christians let no one basically lie to you and say, well, you can't legislate morality. If there is anything that is ever legislated, it's morality. Yes. You legislate against what is wrong and legislate for what is right. You know, the law promotes what is right. Once something is legal, most people are more likely to assume it's right because it's legal. Yes. All right. Yep. Well, we're going. We're going to leave it just there for the moment um, because I can feel that you're getting fired up, Samuel. And uh, we're just going to. Yeah, we're just going to take a little break for a few minutes, and uh, and then we're going to come back, and you're going to get your teeth into this subject. We'll be back yes. in a few minutes. You're listening to one hundred five point one Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and we are on a fairly hot topic, Samuel. And you, we've sort of, in a nutshell, sort of said what we're wanting to talk about. Um, and mm. fundamentally, even though it's, it's put in all sorts of different language, we are talking about abortion. So my question to you then is, what do we understand abortion to be? Well, that's a very good uh, question right there because you, know, you can't discuss the topic without having to be able to define it. Now, you will, you will sort of hear a number of terminologies that are used uh, by the pro-choice uh, um, advocates, including those who are legislators. They'll say it is they are pro-choice, you know, women's right to choose, okay? Or it is, you know, reproductive rights, reproductive health and rights. Yeah. Uh, or you can say, say, you know, women's ability to do whatever they want to do with their body. Okay, so women should have the right to do whatever they want to do with their body. And those are the way the discussion is framed. But I want, I want at least because so that many people don't understand what is the position of the believers, at least the Christian position. Uh, by Christian position, I don't mean the position that Christians hold. You can find that there are many positions that Christians hold on, I mean, two. Uh, some Christians are, are pro-abortion, uh, some are not. But that's not what matters. What is biblically defensible, biblically defensible, scientifically demonstrable, uh, a position and morally defensible position uh, that one can have as a Christian on this particular question? Okay, so I think I'd like to sort of I'll discuss these these terminologies that the you know women reproductive right, women right to choose, you know, um, um, you know, right women right to privacy. 
you know, and so on and so forth, you know, unwanted pregnancies and stuff. So let's start. I want us to be practical and logical. Yeah, are you with me? Yep, I'm I, here. I want us to be pra practical mm. and logical. Yep. The first thing is that we need to agree that termination of pregnancy, like the letter just from the Prime Minister's office said, Prime Minister's office said, termination, abortion, terminate something. Yes. Can we agree on that? Yes. Yeah. Abortion terminates something. In other words, abortion kills something. That's what it is to terminate. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, the question is, any other justification that can be given about it depends on one fundamental question. What is it that is being terminated? All right? Yeah. What is it that's being terminated? Let me give you a, a bit of a little anecdote. Let's say you're a mom, you sort of, you know, you, this is an example that's been given for one of my, by one of my mentors, uh, a guy I respect a lot, is that, you know, you, you're a mother, you're at the sink washing the dishes, and suddenly you hear your 12 years old boy say, mom, can I kill this? Uh, what's the next question you ask? What, what, what's the thing, what's your first reaction? What is it that you want to kill? What is it? Yeah. yeah. What yeah. is it you want to kill? Yeah. You know, you, you want to know what is it you want to kill? You're not going to go, yeah, right, go on, go in, darling, just kill it. Well, no, you want to know what is it? Mm -hmm. And so if you turn around, it's a cockroach. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I mean, if it's a cockroach where you go, yeah, go right ahead. Just yeah. stomp on it, you know? Or, or, or you, know, you know, it could be all, all sorts of things. But if you turn around, he, he was holding his little brother who's on about five by the neck. And what would you say? Yes, well, that's right. You would say no. And if it was, or even yeah. if it was the dog or the cat, I mean, you wouldn't say yes no, either. Exactly. So. <laughs> right, right, right. The cockroach and the ant, yeah, maybe, but not, yeah. not the dog, yeah. the cat, the goldfish or, uh, yeah. or the baby yeah. brother. Mm. So that's the thing. So the key question here is what exactly is being terminated? Now, we know that what is being terminated is unborn. Yeah, it's unborn. Yes. It's a concept. So it's fair to call it the unborn. Unborn. Mm -hmm. Now, the question is, if what is terminated is the unborn that is being terminated is a human being, then no justification for abortion is adequate. No justification for terminating the life of an unborn human being is adequate. No. But if the unborn is not a human being, then no justification is necessary, not even a law. You don't pass a law about, you know, termination of cockroaches. No, no. no. So the reason why we have to argue over this is because deep down in the conscience of those who are arguing for this, they know we're dealing with unborn human beings. Mm -hmm. And what I want to take is a task to actually demonstrate that the unborn is actually a human being. And if an unborn, the unborn is a human being, then we have a problem. Why? 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 Let me give you an example. Let's, let's look at, look at to the reasons that people give uh, for, you know, uh, termination of pregnancy, what we, we call all these terminologies that we give You know, women's rights to privacy. Okay, let me sort of pose the question here. Do we allow mothers to kill their two years old if they do it in their privacy? No. Well, no. Okay, why do we say no? Because we know that the two-year-old is a human being. Mm. That's, that's the issue. So the issue is not privacy. You don't just simply get to kill somebody in a privacy. If it's a human being, then, okay. Let me try another one. Well, humans should have the right to choose. Okay, well, okay, right to choose what? To choose to kill their two-year-old? Would you, would, you, would you give them that choice? Well, no. Why? Because we recognize this is a, a, a human being and you don't get the, your right to choose to kill your two-year-old. All right, let's try again. Um, you know, many poor women cannot afford another child. Okay. Well, well, if you had three children and you lose your job and now you're living in poverty, do you have the right to take one of, one of them out? Well, no. Uh, are you there with me? You, yeah, you yeah, follow, yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you no, you can't just do that. Oh, now we're poor now. Okay, let's just simply terminate one of them. No. Because I can't because afford to feed human. them. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah I can't afford exactly. To, I can only afford to feed yeah. two kids. So one of them's yeah. got to go, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Which one is it? That's exactly right. Mm. The question is is the unborn a human being? If the unborn is a human being, then you notice all these justifications are not adequate. Let's try, try another one. Your unwanted child should not be forced to come into the world. Where well, can a mother kill a three-year-old because she's unwanted? Would we yes, allow but, them? Yeah, but it, but in all these contexts, though, 
people are saying because this child is unborn, it hasn't taken yep. a breath, it is not alive right. as such. Yeah, so these other yeah, things, yeah, the other yeah. people that that we're killing off are already living and breathing, have got a birth that's certificate the, and their and their kids. But the one that's that the is, point. is unborn, um, yep. because it hasn't taken a life, it doesn't have any rights. It's Functionalism. Yeah. Functionalism. We're going to get to that because I want to. If you squeeze the issue, then you can know exactly what people are saying. You know, we know that if it's a child that's already born, you can't terminate it, even if because it just had you know Down syndrome. No, it's a human being. Why? Because we recognize that human beings are valuable. Okay. Mm. We can say you know you know we we uh, like the letter said you know safe <laughs> and legal. Uh, Termination. Like, what yeah, is safe, safe for who? Termination of yeah, safe exactly. for who? Yeah. Safe for legal termination of two-year-olds. Do we have that? No. Why? Because the the uh, advocates for uh, you know uh, abortions start by assuming that the unborn is either not a human being in essence, or they call it clump of cells, or they assume that is a non-functioning human being. Yeah. Can, can yeah. we agree on that? Yeah. So let me take that one head on. Let me take that one head on. Let's see. I started by saying, well, first of all, that the unborn is alive. We know that, you know, some say we don't know when life starts. Well, no, that is not true. We actually know what life starts. Let me show you what the science of embryology actually tells. Science of embryology tells us that, that number one, that uh, at the moment of conception, the unborn is a living being, so it's alive. You know, the, the cells in your fingers, in your body, they're alive. Dead cells, you know, will be rotting away. So the unborn is alive, number one. Number two, embryology teaches us that it's a distinct individual from the parent yes. that is carrying it yes. from the mom. So we know that with embryology. Mm-hmm. Number three, we know that you know what is being carried by its parent. If the parent is human, it's not going to carry a cat, will it? No, no. So the unborn is living. It's distinct, distinct from the mother. In other words, it answers the question, it's not the mother's body. I can knock that one out very easy. Well, the ma- mother can be by sex female and the unborn is by sex male. I've not seen a person who had two genders, no. you know, carrying one. No, the unborn, the blood of the unborn and the blood of the mother don't mix. Otherwise, the unborn would, dead, would be dead. Um, you know, the, the, the unborn is genetically different from the mother. Yes. And so this is scientific matters, you know, when you look at what are the criterias for, you know, for life, something is life, if it, alive, if it grows, if it responds to stimuli, and if it metabolizes nutrients, and these three things, the unborn does, doesn't it? Yes. It does these three things. Okay. Number, uh, here's another one. It's very different from the mom. Number one, it's got its own fingerprints. Mm-hmm. It's got its own genetic fingerprint, which means DNA. Yeah. The DNA of the unborn is different. It's like we live in a society that including people who are sitting in the hall of our government who can't see straight. Mm. The unborn is, is genetically different from the mom. It's got a circulatory system, a blood type. The unborn has got a brain. It's got brainwave pattern. The unborn has got a sex of its own. And the unborn can, can actually be conceived outside the mother's womb to tell you it's not the mother's body. Mm. Today we can do actually in vitro conce- conception. Yeah, the unborn can have a different race, even different ethnicity to its parents. And we've seen surrogacy, for example. Or if you take a black person like me and my wife, she's you know white Aussie as they come, mm-hmm. and you put us together. Look at her. our kids are, are mixed; they're different from from me and from their mom. Yeah, and so you can you can already see that just by being able to reason reason properly with these things, you can find out that the assumption that this, the unborn is somehow uh, part of the mother's body is absolutely crazy. Let yes. me give you some... Um, um, well, we, we might do that. <laughs> we will we'll yeah. do that in a, in a moment. Um, yeah. it, it is, it is a, a, a really um, emotive, emotive, emotional topic. Um, yeah. but, I, but I think the clarity around um, life... And, and the individual that is the unborn person is really important. So let's take this, Sorry, yeah. Yeah, just take the next session to uh, to expand on that a little more. So we'll be back yeah. in a few minutes to continue on with this, this discussion.
You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And uh, Samuel, we were going to expand a little bit more on the whole subject of the unborn and what is, is really life. Yeah. And so I wanted to just, because in case the people who, who think that, you know, these conservatives and these Christians like me, who, uh, you know, have this point of view on, uh, on abortion, you know, we're just simply unscientific, you know, you know, religious, uh, you know, talking heads. Uh, let me start by, um, you know, pointing out what is actually written in the textbooks that I use right now on embryology. Let's start there. Yeah. It's the Moore and Persaud uh, sixth ed edition embryology textbook. Okay. Uh, uh, before we are born, essentials of embryology and birth defects. Mm -hmm. And in that book, uh, this is what is written. This is I got, the, the one that's just been conceived formed by the union of an oocyte and a sperm is the beginning of a new human being, oh, an wow. embryo. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Here's another book by um, uh, O'Reilly and Miller, uh, Human Embryology, Teratology, third edition, New York, uh, 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 2001, on its page eight. Although life is a continuous process, fertilization, is a critical landmark because under ordinary circumstances, a new genetically distinct human organism is formed when the chromosomes of the male and the female pronuclei uh, pro blend in the oocyte. So we are here, we have here a new genetically distinct human organism. Mm, okay? Yeah. Here's another one. Um, you know, a defense of abortion, David Bonin. Uh, this is basically from all across the spectrum. Um, perhaps the most straightforward, it's a Cambridge University Press book, 2002, perhaps the most straightforward relation between you and or me, on the one hand, and every human fetus from conception onward, on the other side, is all are living members of the same species, homo sapiens. A human fetus, after all, is simply a human being at a very early stage in his or her development. Yes. You see that? Yep. All right. We didn't. What is it? We're dealing with a human being here. That's what I'm trying to prove. Practical Ethics, written by Peter Singer. You know, the Aussie Peter Singer. Mm. Um, Cambridge University Press, 1993, page 84, 586. Uh, here, here it is. I quote, There is no doubt that from the first moment of its existence, an embryo conceived from human sperm and egg is a human being, and the same is true for the most profoundly and irreparably intellectually disabled human being. Even for an infant who is born anencephalic, literally without a brain, even even a child without a brain is a human being. That's Peter Singer, who's an atheist, by the way. Yeah, I'm making here a a, a you know a, a case that cannot be denied. Now you can say what you just went there to say. Oh, look, um, you know, but it's not a functioning human being. I'm going to get to that in a moment. Now let let me look at. Um, uh, the fact that now we're dealing with, what is it? It's a human being. We're dealing with a human being here. And my argument is a very simple one. A killing, an unjustified termination of an innocent, defenseless human being is what? It's a crime. It's murder. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Now, that's a very strong term. People yep. can get, and just logically, if there is a human, assuming so far we like by the biological textbook, the uh, the uh, the conception we're dealing with a human being here. Mm -hmm. That human being is defenseless. That human being is innocent. Hasn't done nothing. Not committed no crime. And that human being is going to be terminated. And Australia is proud to sit in that space to terminate defenseless, unborn human beings. Mm -hmm. Unless you have another justification, they are not truly human, or they are not properly human. Now you have to provide a good justification for why you think they are not human. All right? Yeah. Now, here's, here's the defense I want to look at now. So let's keep in mind the termination of a defenseless, uh, you know, innocent, unborn human yeah. is morally evil. Yeah. Just stop there. Yeah. Full stop. Now, let's now look at, oh, no, no, but they're not, they've not taken a breath yet. Yes. So in other words, their lungs are not functioning yet. Mm. Or, you know, they can't talk. Or, or they can't support themselves. Right? 
They are dependent on the mother. Can you hear if you consider that the, the unborn is a defenseless human being? If it's a human being, do we terminate human beings because they're not breathing at the time? If they're, let's say, dependent on machines in the hospital, and you go, oh, well, look, just the, 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 the lungs can't breathe. We do everything we can to try and save the life of human beings. Yes. Do we, if they can't think or they're in a coma, can't talk, do we now think, now it's, it's okay to terminate them? Well, no. Okay? Now, so you can see slowly, slowly, as long as you come to the conclusion this is a human being, the justification is no longer adequate. Are you with me on that? Yes. Yes. Now, one might say, but it's so tiny, so small, we can't see it. Okay. I agree. Just stage of development. Yeah? Like yeah. The, book, the textbook told us. Yeah. Just, it's a human being, but at the very early stage of development. It's like, for example, you know, Functionalism posits like an acorn is not an oak, yeah? No, yeah. But a potential oak, is that true actually? A fetus is not a human being, but a potential human. Well, no. No. An acorn is an oak, but at a different stage of its development. I'll prove you that. Easy. The oak goes through stages of development. Number one, it's a seed. We call it an acorn. Then it becomes a sprout, yeah? Mm -hmm. It's an oak still. It's not a citrus. It's an oak, yeah. and it becomes a sapling. It's still an oak, but it's a stage of development. Then it is a, a tree, full-on tree. It says that's an oak. So the stages of development doesn't change the nature of the oak, does no. it? No. It doesn't. No. Well, let's look at human beings. Human beings go through stages of development. Zygote, embryo, fetus, it's still a human being. Yeah. Newborn, infant, teen, then adult. Mm. So if you are going to remove one stage of development of this human being, you must be able to justify why. Because what if I say, well, look, an infant is not an adult. Do we justify taking out an infant because they're at a different stage of development than me? Mm. Well, the newborn is not the same as an infant or as an adult. If you're going to talk about, the, so that's the first thing, the stage of development. Uh, the fact that they're at a different stage of development doesn't justify that would take them out, does it? No. Right. Now, the second thing I want to look at is that, so I mean, let me actually give our, our, our listeners uh, a bit more of a of a of a um of a, a, an acronym that they can remember. Yeah? Yeah. It's called SLED. S-L-E-D. Mm -hmm. S stands for size or physical appearance. Mm -hmm. So you start to say, oh, it's too small. Well, yeah, an infant is smaller than an adult. It's no reason. The size of a human being, I've seen you know, all human beings all born. Who are, you know, there's this guy, what was his name again? He's, this is basically, he measures about one, you know, one foot or something. He's this, this short. Uh, he was uh, in uh, Mongolia. He's still a human being, mm -hmm. regardless of the size. Yeah. Uh, you can't say, oh, well, he's that small. He's not the same size as, let's say, who's, who's the tallest Australian now, at least among our sports people that you know? Oh, I, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know. It'd be a basketballer. You wouldn't have think. any idea. Yeah, yeah, Someone, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone who but plays think about it. anyway. You know, even if you look, look at those tall, you know, American basketball players, mm. you're not going to say, oh, because this person is short, you know, pygmies are still human beings compared to the rest of the tall population of people. So yeah. number one. Number two, level of development doesn't disqualify them from being human uh, because, you know, an infant is not an adult. Number three, so that's the L. Uh, the E is the environment within which they live. You know, you don't kill a human being because they're in a different environment. Oh, he's still in the womb. Well, we can't see him. Therefore, we can kill him. By the way, the fact that actually we can't see them is actually a reason to, to be a lot more cautious. Let's say, you know, they, a building was, was about to be blown off. And they said, oh, is there a human being in there? Oh, we're not sure. There may be a human being in there. What do we do? We will we actually be a lot more cautious. We want to check. Yeah, we'll go and check it Before out, make we, sure that there's nobody there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so we already know that we're dealing with a human being at a different stage of uh, different size, different level of development in a different environment, of course. Uh, so we don't going to kill them just because it's in a different environment right there. Yeah. And the last one is the degree of dependency. Oh, but look, you know, the, the fetus can't live by itself. It depends on the mom. So does the newborn. 
Leave the newborn right there and see where it leaves. Yeah. Well, I would agree, including teenagers. I say dependent on their parents. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, so in the animal the kingdom, there are there are thousands, millions of animals that uh, rely on their their mother um, in those yeah. first stages of uh, of development. Um, yeah. They can't do without. I mean, even you know, chickens and ducklings and that sort of stuff. If they're left on yeah. their own, they just yeah. die. So yeah, yeah, that's that's nothing so, new. Exactly. So this idea that you can just take out a defenseless unborn human being because of their size, because of their level of development, because of the environment within. Tell me, what is it about crossing the birth canal that confers a new worth to a human? Just crossing, especially now we have you know abortion up to birth, past oh, birth abortion. I, I know that actually makes me physically ill. It makes yeah. me physically so, ill to, to think that, that um, someone would do that before the yeah. baby takes a breath. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. what I'm saying here is, you see, I've made all these cases. Did I, did, have I quoted the Bible says he so far? No. 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 I haven't done that. No. So to have people who are within the whole of our government thinking that this is reproductive rights, it's called reproductive rights the termination of a life of a defenseless unborn human being unjustifiably just because the person who's carrying them isn't happy to have them. Like, you know, I'm not happy to, to no, you, you, the child was already born, it's already in the world. The child doesn't come in the world when he's born. The child comes in the world when he's conceived. Well, and, and the thing is, it, they talk about choice, but, you know, we have to back right up and say, okay, well, you as a human being, as a, a male and a female, you have a choice to be, become sexually active. Within that choice is a responsibility. If you do not want to have children, you make sure you protect yourself so you don't have children. So it's not just For about example. the mo yeah, momentary pleasure. It's about, yeah. it, it's about the responsibility you have that that one of the side effects of being sexually active is that you become you can become pregnant so p yeah. people making that choice they have to live with the consequence of that choice and this is the yeah, thing that yeah, is, yeah. is really really um you know people sort of think oh that's okay i can i can just get rid of it but they don't yeah. really understand what they are getting rid of and we're going to we're going to talk about that a little bit further um when we come mm. back after this short break now, Samuel, just before uh, the break, um, we we were <laughs> we were really defining. Um, you talked about the sled and, and the different yeah. things that we that we talk about as to whether or not something is is defined as as, as human or um, yeah. that it has any viability. And, and we're just going to sort yeah. of wrap up our, our thinking um, as we come to this last part of the program. Yeah. So basically. The person, including the letter that the our institution, the prime minister, sent to this politician, including the pro, pro, protest that's going on in the U.S. right now, uh, you know, it has become just an emotional. It's not the case can't be made, uh, you know, rationally. Uh, the case can't be made, uh, you know, morally. It's morally indefensible to take out the life of an innocent, defenseless human being. Yes. We must have the duty of protecting the innocent, especially the defenseless. Mm. We must be the voice for the voiceless. Yeah. That is from a scripture standpoint. And the unborn is absolutely the epitome of what it is to be defenseless and to be voiceless and to be innocent. One might say, but Samuel, how about the cases of rape? It's one of those terrible things when it happens. But you see on the biblical standard, you punish the criminal. It is the rapist who's the criminal in this case. I understand it's an emotionally difficult thing, but the fact that something is emotionally difficult doesn't make it you know, morally defensible. No. I believe that the person who committed the crime or rape, but the child that is conceived there is, you know, is, is, is uh, innocent. Like, what are we going to do? Now, would you have done that? The father goes and commits a crime. You come and get the kid and kill them? Now, we may be obviously angry against the rapist, but the, the, the conceived child, just why does the innocence of that child has to just be swiped under the carpet? 
Is this emotionally difficult? Yeah. Does the person who's gone through the trauma need a lot of help and a lot of support? Why can't we put a lot of resources in helping the person who's gone through that trauma instead of saying, okay, the solution is to actually, you know, take out the life of the defenseless unborn human. And if we, when we're going to do that, by the way, it never resolved the trauma of the, of the horrible situation that happened to the, to the girl that, has been, that was raped or the woman that has been has raped. It doesn't. Yeah. If anything, it adds an extra trauma on a trauma. Mm. Yeah. By the way, statistically in Australia, 95% of pregnancies are terminated. They're elective and they're not consequence of rape. No, that's right. The consequence of rape is actually less than 1% of pregnancies mm. that are terminated. Yeah. So you can't actually use the less than 1% to make a case for, you know, Australia, roughly, there was not really, uh, uh, I was looking for the raw data. It's, it's about 80,000 unborn human beings that are being terminated every year. 80,000. Mm. Mm. That, that that's and 95% of those is elective. Yeah. yeah. Just elective. Because what now my circumstances are unwanted. And so... Having made the case that we don't take out the life of a toddler or of a, of a one-year-old, two-year-old, just because now we think, oh, I no longer want it. I no longer want it, so let's just do away with it. To have uh, you know, people, otherwise smart, intelligent people, stand on such morally indefensible position and say we are proud yeah. to not only promote and advocate this, I think... It's time for every believer uh, who actually wants to uh, hold on to the biblical Christian worldview that says we ought to look after our neighbors. We ought to love our neighbors. The question is, is the unborn our neighbor? Of course the unborn is our neighbor. So we ought to speak out for the voice of the unborn. And so in, in the bulk of it, you, know, you said it earlier on, you know, if somebody comes in and says, oh, look, I'm on your side on, you know, you know, on more, more moral things and, and, and says, okay, well, you know, give me your vote. You find out later that when it actually matters, they can't defend the moral position that you've held, the reason for which you actually gave them the vote. Yeah. Now you have to reconsider. Am I promoting a particular political party? No. I said it in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in our program last time. The Christian has no commitment to a political party. No. You don't put your political party above, above the word of God, your conscious, your understanding of what is moral values mm. and what God prescribes. That's what guides you. Yeah. So that I don't care what party you're part of, if that party started to defend something that is morally indefensible, you can say, no, on the grounds of conscience, I am not supporting that. Mm. Or you can just simply go, okay, well, I'm going to vote with my conscience. I'm going to vote with my values. Yes. I'm going to find somebody who is capable of not only articulating my values, defend them because they are their values, not the person who says, okay, well, I hold them somewhere in the closet, but in the public, I won't defend that, but give mm. me your... You know. Give me your vote anyway. And, and, yeah. And so that's, that's if, if, if conservative Christians uh, or Christians or just good people of good morals who actually have good deal of good logic, like we presented here by scientific level, by philosophical level and by biblical moral level, that taking the life of an unborn child, regardless of how emotional people are, uh, is not defensible. If I got, you know, if I got angry and emotional about something and wanted to take a life of someone, the law would tell me that I'm not justified to do that. No, that's that's right. And I mean, in some cases, when people are actually defending their own lives, um, and yeah. they and they end up killing somebody, they still end up going to jail. Um, yeah. e even though yeah. their life was under threat. So um, yeah. th this sort of thing has no excuse. Um, we've just yeah. made it a convenience. Yeah. yeah. And so th the question is, if the unborn is human, so if somebody said, no, he's not human, well, he's first of all irrational and scientific, okay? And that's why the, so the defense of abortion assumes that the unborn is not a human being. Mm. If they say, well, the unborn is a human, yes, but sometimes what they do is they go, oh, are all human beings valuable or persons? Now they have to go, well, they're small. They, their level of development is not, you know, the sled test yet, the environment and the, the level of dependency. Or, and so if they go, well, yes, the human person, but if they say they're not human person based on 
functions, then the defense of abortion disqualifies some humans from being actually valuable human beings and persons, like somebody who's in a coma or somebody who, you know, who can't talk or somebody who's small and short, you know, and so on and so on. Yeah. But well, if the, they agree. Yeah, the, the Roe v. Wade um, decision that was made those 50 years ago, um, yeah. I, I have to say I'm not really over why the decision was made in that way. But But wasn't it that there was a they came up with a definition uh, that that the embryo was not was not a human well, life that life had not started mm -hmm. and and so, yes, so yes. therefore um, an abortion wasn't terminating a human being but just as you yeah. say a bunch of cells that uh, that happened to be in in the place in a woman's womb yeah. and and she was able to get rid of them if she if she wanted to and yeah. and and now if they if they're redefining what it means when life starts and what it means to be human then you would have to say that that particular definition doesn't work and so therefore it no, is wrong. wrong at all yeah yeah. yeah. So as you're saying there beautifully, Alida, uh, the central argument of Roe v. Wade was that there is a debate over when does life start. Yes. Yeah. Theologically, scientifically, philosophically, there was still a debate, 1973. Since then, science has developed tremendously. Now we have no doubt everybody knows life starts at conception. Yeah. All right. And we know that what is in the womb of a woman is a human being. Genetically, we know that. We know that uh, by all sorts of genetic mar markers, and we know it's a different entity. It's a, if somebody says a clump of cells, I am a clump of cells. What do you mean? Yes. A clump of cells means a gathering of cells. Every every human being, including you, you're a clump of cells. Mm. If you say a clump of cells as though it was not human being, well, then then you're wrong because it's a, in a distinct human being. From the time of conception till the time you die, your genetic code stays the same. It doesn't change. Yeah, and that and that clump of cells doesn't become something else. Like all of a sudden, it doesn't yeah. turn into a horse, for instance. That clump yeah, exactly. of cells is always going to become yeah. a human being, no matter yeah. how how long that process would take. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. it doesn't shift. It doesn't change. It is it is one thing, one thing only. It is yeah. a human being. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so you can therefore see that for, after having analysed this scientifically and philosophically, we can come to the theological conclusion. The Bible says that the unjustifiable killing of an innocent human being is murder. Yes. So just simple that. It's immoral. It's indefensible for the institutions of government to be proud to promote that. Think about it if we say, like it was during the days of the Holocaust, that some government promoted the mass killing of other human beings and said, we're proud to do that. When I was reading that letter, I was so horrified. Mm. We are proud to occupy that space. And to advocate that, what, overseas, internationally, for exactly the same thing to be done we, in other countries. What space really? are we occupying? Yeah, that's right. So in that sense, this is no small matter. And every, every you know, Australian people of good conscience, believers, Christians, who, you know, want, because when, they, can I say that the elections are not just simply about economics. No. They are about value system. Mm. Who are we as a society? How do we treat our defenseless? How do we treat... Uh, you know, the, the, our most vulnerable. You, you have to actually put stick in your head that an unborn is not a vulnerable, defenseless human being to commit such moral evil. And this is what has happened with most moral evils. That's for, the first one. You dehumanize. You dehumanize the one you're going to be killing. That's what happened with the Holocaust. You dehumanize them. That if they're no longer human, then you can do whatever. Yeah, and and that's happened all through history. I mean, it happened uh, with yeah. the sla with slavery and, and slaves, yeah. and 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 as you said last week, with uh, various tribes in uh, in in Africa where pygmies were not considered yeah. human. You know, uh, people yeah. can make their own rules and regulations, but, yeah. but that doesn't mean that they're yeah. right, and it certainly doesn't mean but, that they're moral. And yeah, exactly, and for us as Christians, every single human life, every single human life, is created in the image of God, is valuable in God's sight. And the taking of an innocent, defenseless life of another human being cannot, it doesn't matter how you sanitize it, whatever you call it, it cannot be justified. That's what you heard me saying uh, at the beginning. If the unborn is a human being, no justification is adequate. If the unborn is not a human being, no justification is necessary. Yeah, because you so, would already know you you would already yeah. know that that you now yeah. have a human being that is in its early yeah. stages of development, and that human being yeah. is precious. Yeah, 
That's I mean, exactly you know, there's another thing in all of this too, and I, I and, and it's probably a completely different subject. But you know, there are so many um, families and so many couples that are unable to conceive, um, and that are going through IVF, and they're going through a whole range of different yeah. things, or they're coming to a place of adopting. Yeah. And here we have eighty thousand yeah. babies that could have yeah. been given to couples that would love them, yeah. rear them, and and yeah. and um, yeah. and treat yeah. them like their own, and and yet we're just yeah. putting them in the bin. We are literally yeah. putting them in. Well. And if we're not yeah. putting them in the bin, um, science is now cutting them up into pieces and using their yeah. DNA for other things. Yeah. You know, we're, we're yeah. now experimenting on these, these, these human beings. We're using their tissue. We're yeah. using their DNA. We're using everything to, to, yeah. to manipulate creation the way that, yeah. <laughs> that God designed it. And, uh, and we think yeah. we're doing the right thing, and we are certainly not we, doing the mm. right thing. We could talk about bioethics. Uh, you've opened up a, another side, side there of bioethics uh, another time. But yes. I, I was, you know, you're right. You, you're very right. So in this instance here, you know, you're a believer. You're a child of God. You know, you must just have a, my, my advice is have a, a canvas of your morals, things that matter to you morally, and find who is holding those moral values that you hold and is capable of defending them so that you can be true in your public life to your Christian faith. And you can rest assured that the people who, who go into these offices to write our laws, you know, are people who are capable of defending your sense of values. Mm. That is how the believers should approach these questions. Not who makes the most noise, who's protesting out there, for example, in America, or the letter that the prime minister has written, uh, the office of the prime minister has written tells you already you know, where he sits on these things. And as Christians, we can't be shy about that stuff. No. I'm, not going to, I'm a preacher, I'm a Christian, and I hold my Christian worldview very tight and I defend it, and I'm not going to be quiet about that in the name of what? So we need to make sure that those who occupy the high functions in our, in our country are capable of defending the values we hold very dear. Absolutely. And that is how the Christian should approach the question of governance. Yes, and that's hopefully um, people who are, are very aware um, are, and are wanting to make their vote count in this election are finding out what their candidates are going to be standing up for and they make their mm. vote or they, they put their um, their priorities, you know, their according to what they uh, what they believe and what they believe God wants them to do. Well, it's been a great discussion. Thank you so much again, Samuel. Um, we may we may go on to that bioethical uh, thing yeah, as, yeah. as we as we continue on. We'll just see what happens in the headlines, but uh, because we've um, we've got this uh, this time before the election, it's good to be able to look at things that are pertinent for people to think about in the immediate future. All right, well, yes. we'll catch everybody else again next week. Thanks again, Samuel. And, no, what is it all? Uh, all right, and uh, and we'll yeah, we'll be back next week.